Welcome to the Center for International and Regional Studies at Georgetown University in Qatar. These podcasts are part of a research initiative titled Building a Legacy, Qatar FIFA World Cup 2022. Welcome, everybody. It gives me great pleasure to welcome the Be In Sports presenter, Richard Keyes, to our podcast to talk about sports broadcasting at the FIFA World Cup 2022 and his career in the state of Qatar. Thank you, Richard, for being with us today. It's an absolute pleasure, my friend. Apologies. Uh, m- maybe people are unaware that we had a previous date to talk that I missed. So <laughs> my apologies, no, I'm, my fault. I'm glad it worked today. Richard, I came to the Middle East in 2008 when I was offered a faculty position at the American University of Beirut in Lebanon. Your Middle East journey also started in 2008 when you covered the Euro 28 for Al Jazeera. In 2013, you became a B in sports presenter and I watched over the years numerous Champions League matches presented by you. Why were you an Englishman from Coventry interested to work in Qatar and the Middle East? Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting tale, so a good question. I came first when I was my... my main employment was uh, from elsewhere in the UK. I was asked to come out here for those Euros to help launch Al Jazeera Sport Plus 3, which was an extension of what was being done here. Um, It was an English language service and and not an English channel. This is the difference that, that I have to point out because a lot of people right now want to know why I'm not leaping up and down as England make progress in the Euros. The answer to that is, this is not an English channel. This is an English language channel. Therefore, everybody that we have on, that that, that we discuss, we are watching, has an equal piece of me, not just a huge chunk for England. But I came in 2008, I felt really, really comfortable. And and I I don't know what it was, but I, I knew I would end up living here. I, I, I can't explain that feeling, but I knew I would end up at some point in my life living in Qatar. Um, there, there was, and that's too long a story to get into, um, an incident in the UK, um, which, which the Murdoch group, uh, Rupert Murdoch and his sons, um, created um, for all sorts of different reasons, which again, are too many to talk to you about now that saw Andy and I leave the employment of Sky Sports. And one of the, re- well, there were two reasons for that from my point of view. One, they'd sacked him and I knew the real reasons why that they'd sacked him. So, so I felt that my support to him was, was crucial. But I also had a call from my friend here, Nasser Al-Khalifi, um, the president of Paris Saint-Germain and, and uh, be in sports now. He said, look, come here, come and work for us. No one's talking about what's happened out here. Um, the minute the Murdoch organization heard that, they started to turn up even more heat and make it even more difficult at that time. So what we did was I, I went and worked for a UK um, broadcaster, Talk Sport, talk, talk, uh, uh, took us in for two years. But what few knew was at the same time we were working out of London for Al Jazeera. Now, when, when they got the Premier League contract here to show exclusive rights in the Middle East and North Africa, that's when they decided to bring everything in-house and asked us, would we come here to Qatar and, and broadcast from their base, their home? To which my response was, well, 
absolutely. Why not? I, I, I know the country well. I enjoy it. I enjoy living here. Um, eight months of the year, it's absolutely beautiful. Three months are intolerable when the weather gets hot. But no, it was an invitation too good to turn down. And it's, it's, it's been the right decision because I, 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 I know there's a lot of feeling and, and it's not all good about this part of the world, about people in this part of the world. I, I can only tell you from my own experience, people here are very kind, very thoughtful. Um, and I, 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 I really would not want to live anywhere else in the world. I, I, I genuinely would not. I, I love it here. Let's talk about your uh, experience later on a bit more, but could you share with us, uh, if I'm uh, uh, right informed, uh, you visited Qatar for the first time in 2008. How did the country change since then? And how did your oh. profession, sports broadcasting, evolve in the country over the last 13 years? How the country changed I, I, is indescribable. I, I really can't explain. Um, where I sit didn't exist. Um, I stayed in a hotel that had a view of, of the, 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 this part of Qatar reclaimed from the ocean um and all you're talking about the was, pearl or i'm talking about the pearl i saw miles and miles and miles of sand nothing else and one lorry after another bringing more more hardcore uh, i i when i came back and saw what they'd done and that's just here on the pearl it was mind-blowing I, I west bay which is the the, the main area of the of doha itself There was nothing there. That the, the, the tallest building was was uh, was a hotel of about 20 stories. Now it's dwarfed by skyscrapers every which way you turn. Um, there's a there's a there's a infrastructure. There's a railway. Um, the road system is magnificent. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a modern day country you could pick up and place anywhere in the world, and it would fit. Uh, from from very very humble beginnings 2008 i mean really um nothing is too strong but but approaching nothing um and this is why i get so combative about the country and its right to host a world cup which i'm sure we'll talk about and its place in the world it it it, it deserves the opportunity to host a made listen 90 90 major sporting tournaments a year are held in this country, 90. Um, I don't think people realize that. The World Cup is, to some degree, just another event. Uh, this is the sports hub of the world. This is, this is where sport is played and enjoyed and viewed um, more than any other city anywhere in the world. Beyond the infrastructure uh, and you know physical changes um, you mentioned, uh, how did your profession, sports broadcasting, change when you compare with 2008, when you presented the Euro on Al Jazeera and, and now Champions League and, you know, uh, Euro matches uh, on DN Sports. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think initially, we first broadcast from what I described as a broom cupboard. Um, we, we were given Al Jazeera News, uh, had a very, very luxurious HQ. And there wasn't much by way of facilities for us when, when we first came out. It was a broom cupboard. Um, and, and it felt what it was which was scratchy there really wasn't <laughs> it, it it wasn't what it is now i mean now it's world class now it's 
every bit as good as and better than anywhere that I've worked. The, the, the leap in technology and the resource, again, it's, it's, it's really hard to describe because uh, it, it, it's, 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 I suppose it's a little bit like amateur to professional yeah, in that okay. time. So, in, uh, Richard, in your blog, where you post on average once per week an article mainly covering English football, but also addressing other issues in global football, like the recent Super League debate, etc. You wrote that, quote, Qatar gets ready to deliver the best World Cup of all time. Why mm. do you think the FIFA World Cup 2022 will be the best World Cup ever? A number of reasons. Um, one, it, it is a micro World Cup. As I stand on my balcony, which is 10 meters from where I am, I can see five World Cup stadiums. I can see them. They are all within the eight in total. The, the, the final venue will be a mile, two miles from, from my house. If you want to watch three World Cup matches a day as a supporter, you can. There will be no traveling through time zones as there was in Russia. There will be no daily flights to venues as there was in Brazil. When teams come, they will check into a hotel, they will have a base, and no matter how long they're at the tournament, they will not leave that base. It's an interesting statistic that the, as we speak, the four semi-finalists at the Euros all started their first three group games in the same venue, no travel. And they've all made it to the semi-finals. Now that might be a coincidence, But, but the travel for everybody, supporters, press, players, does have an effect. It is a demand, particularly when you're working in countries as vast as Russia or Brazil or Germany. This is different. You can, you can literally get in your car and bounce from stadium to stadium. The infrastructure is there now if you wish to use public transport. That didn't exist. There were no buses when I came. There were certainly no trains. I mean, heaven forbid, that was, that was beyond even the thought of most Qataris, I think. Um, but it, 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 it will be special because it will be played between November and December. Now, that, that, that irritates many people, that thought. Well, we've never had a World Cup at that time of the year. Well, well, it's time we did then. And the reason I say that that's a bonus is because players will start a season in August fresh and they will break in late October, early November, only half used, if you like, whatever is in the tank will only have been called upon to a, to a far lesser degree than if they had played all the way through to April and May and then had to go and entertain at a big tournament. So they'll come fit, they'll come fresh, they'll bring the very best of themselves. And I think that's another factor, weather, oh, it'll be hot, I'm sorry. It'll be, if it's hot, it'll be 24 degrees maximum. I've been watching European football play the last two weeks in 31 degree stadiums. Drink breaks have been taken. That won't be necessary. You know, there are a lot of fears tied up in an awful lot of myths about this World Cup. And, and they're all way off the mark. It will be an exhibition carefully managed. The only thing the Qataris say, and I, yeah, I, I, I support that as well, respect our culture. We don't do shirts off and running around in the street with, with alcohol. We, that, that's not what we are. So 
again, I, I, I mean, what is the problem? Fan parks, plenty of them. If you want to go and stand in a fan park and behave in that manner, fine, great. But respect the culture of the local people. I, I, I don't see that that's an issue. Yeah. Richard, I concur with uh, what you uh, say. Um, but uh, I mean, let's face it, some people criticize people like you and me when we make positive statements about the World Cup 2022, arguing that we would just do so because we work in Qatar. What are yes. you responding to people who question your journalistic integrity and independence? Well, I, I have the right to, to offer that as an opinion um, independently. When not at any point since I arrived in this country has anybody said to me, uh, would it be okay if you said A, B or C? Would you mind not saying D, E or F? Can you behave in a manner that is different to that which you present? I've never been under pressure from anybody to offer an opinion other than that which I feel and deeply believe. We wanted, NASA, NASA said to me some time ago, We, we need to try to change the perception of Qatar. I, I, I mean, if you want to speak to some of your friends in the English press, ask them to come and join us. Um, they can look around. We'll, we'll, we'll put, a, put a show on for them. We'll put the tour on and, and, and they can come and, and have a look around our country. The only, the only prerequisite is we want them to tell the truth. Now, that's significant because when I spoke to people and said, look, come, And, and that's, that's the basis on which they'll look after you. Ah, well, that might not fit with the narrative of the employers that I work for. So that's the compromise that they would have to make, tell the truth. And that didn't fit with what the editor of that particular publication believed. And, and the British press particularly believe that a World Cup here is out of sync with everything that they believe in, simply so because it's talk, being held in the Arab nation. Yes, let's talk a moment about the British press. I mean, there was this famous Guardian story this year, uh, which, uh, you know, caused a lot of damage from a Qatari perspective. Mm. And, uh, but, but it was, you know, just one out of many uh, uh, critical uh, uh, stories. So um, why uh, is there so much negativity, particularly in the British press? We don't find something, for example, in American newspapers, uh, yeah. I mean, just occasionally, but, but why is there such a massive negativity in the, in the British press? How do you explain this as somebody who comes from England, has worked in England? Well, the, 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 the English, not the British, uh, the English believe that the, the football belongs at Wembley. And, and, and I give you, uh, as an example, the, the evidence that we've seen through the Euros. Um, I, I, I get it with their national anthem, which is football's coming home. I understand the irony of the song when it was written and the hurt that it's supposed to encapsulate and the hope that ultimately it, it, it wants to generate. But nobody outside the borders of England understand that song. They just see it as arrogance. And it's only when you step away outside of the borders of England and I emphasize England again, that you see what damage it does to the reputation of the country with, with, with the long-held view of others. I, I mean, I sat in, in remarkable company last night. We were discussing the very same thing, footballers from all over Europe. What is it with you guys? Why are you so arrogant? Well, the, the second part of the answer is England wanted to host 2018. 
and it missed out. So therefore, it's been angry. And, and as 2018 came and went in Russia, what, what else can we do? Well, let, let's focus all our attention now on Qatar. Ridiculous. This ridiculous little country, not even the size of Wales, should host a World Cup. We've got fantastic infrastructure. We've got wonderful stadiums. We've got supporters. Football belongs in England. No, it doesn't. The game now belongs to the world. And this is the first World Cup, not an England Cup, the first World Cup in an Arab nation. Now, what, what English press has to understand, and not just the sports writers, because I think they, they actually are on board, most of the guys in sport, but it's, 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 it's decision makers above them that have to come on side and understand that it is, it's long overdue that a World Cup was played in this part of the world. And it, it, their, their anger has been fueled by a lot of dirty tricks that have been played by, by nations in, in, in the part of the world where we sit that have also tried to stir up trouble because they too are angry that they didn't get the World Cup. They were offered the chance. When this bid was first put to FIFA, it was supposed to be an Arab nation bid. And nobody believed. Nobody believed that it could happen. So one by one, they sort of fell apart. And Qatar plowed on and said, no, 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 we believe, we'll do this. Then, of course, they all wanted a piece of the action. But by that time, it was too late. It couldn't be done. So, so there's, there's been a lot of jealousy. There's been a lot of anger. Um, and I don't think that that will change. And The Guardian's reporting was... Uh, and I like that as a newspaper. I like the independence of the paper, largely independence. And I, I, I know it leans towards the left, but um, <coughs> excuse me, they were wrong. They were wrong in the statistics that they offered. They were wrong in the view that in the conclusion that they came to. Um, if, if I tell you that the official figures here are one death is too many, one death of a migrant worker is too many, but the official statistics are three deaths of migrant workers in the construction of the stadia. 36 unrelated, in other words, away from the stadium incidents. National statistics, um, I, I, I mean, they, I, I can't speak about them, but they tend to be quoted as stadium deaths. And of course, there's, there's a million miles between the two figures, but it, it suits, again, I use the word, it suits the narrative to confuse the two things, to frighten people and say, oh, nobody cares. They do care. They care deeply. They care deeply about yeah. safety. You know, things have changed here unimaginably, but, but in terms of the way people are treated and the way that workers are looked after, that would not have happened had the World Cup not come here. The same, agree. what the West believes to be archaic employment systems would exist. Now, what the West believed to be the case, what the West believed to be a democracy, I'll give you America and Donald Trump as an example of how ridiculous that concept is. When you look back at that from this part of the world, you say to yourself, well, really? Is, is that what the West is trying to impose upon people in this part of the world? Because they don't want it. They can see right through that. They don't want it. And it's, it's nonsense for, for, for those in America, <coughs> excuse me, I've been rough for a couple of days, to, 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 to suggest that's how life should be. And people here know it. Richard, let's talk about 2022. I, I think we are both excited about it because, you know, we are in the country 
And um, so what can we expect from, from you said, you know, sports broadcasting in Qatar moved from amateurism to professionalism. So will it, you know, uh, now move even to another level at the World Cup? What can we expect from B in sports in general? And what will be your role during the World Cup? I, I, I think from, from our perspective, from B ins, um, let's never forget that, and, and I, I return to where we started really, we are an English-speaking arm of a huge Arabic organization broadcasting in our part of the world to 23 different countries, New Zealand, Australia, Australasia, um, through, through the Far East. Um, so I don't think too much will change from our perspective. I think what we're doing now is probably the maximum at which we will be operating when the World Cup comes. <coughs> I'd love to go to matches and present football matches from arenas again, but I don't think that will happen. And, and, and rightly, our Arabic colleagues deserve the right to put on a show for the rest of the world and, and absorb this in the very same way as we would were it, or I would have done were it in England. So I think, I think a lot of resource will go to the Arab channels, quite rightly. Um, I, 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 it is their World Cup and, and, and that should be reflected. Um, we will bring as, as, I mean, I think the people we've had here for the Euros, Arsene Wenger, Rudolit, Marcel Desailly, Gianfranco Zola. Um, I mean, these are, these are Peter Schmeichel. These are big players. Um, we've always attracted the best. We'll continue to do so. And I think that that will also be the case come that time. So I don't, I don't think a lot will change between now and then. There isn't much time, really. Um, we're, we're, we're about at maximum at the moment. Um, I, th I think what you see now is what you will get then. Yes, and um, um, uh, so currently we are having this conversation during the European Men's Football Championship, and um, I followed it mainly on German TV, and I noticed that there were never before so many female presenters and commentators. On BN Sports, presenting and commenting is still uh, male-dominated. Do you expect to have some more female colleagues in the future? Yeah, we, we, and we're very proud of Nikki Crosby, who I think has done a tremendous job with the Euros for us. But obviously our flexibility here um, is not the same as it is elsewhere in the world. The countries you mentioned, and Germany, England particularly, um, there's, a, there's a far deeper talent pool. Um, particularly at this time, during this pandemic, it's been really, really, it's been, it's been impossible for us to invite more staff. Um, and to find more flexibility in the system that we have. I, I mean, I, I haven't been out of the country for 12 months. The guests that we have here now, um, all, all COVID checked, um, all, all, all lockdown free, um, but, but it, it, it would be wonderful where we would to, to be able to expand uh, going forward and get back to employing the sort of numbers here that we once did. Uh, before Be Out Q brought about the cataclysmic meltdown and the staff that we lost, sadly, and some good people as well, and some who we thought very highly of and, and, and would have been on air now as, uh, as a balance to the men that you see. But it's just, it's, it's not a lack of desire. It's a lack of ability on our part to be able to do it. We just don't have the numbers. There aren't the people here. Um, and and it, it's something I encourage and, and, and would do so a whole 
a whole lot more if if the opportunity was available, but it just isn't. I mean, that's just a fact. It isn't that there's any resistance here. It's just that there aren't any numbers here. We're very low on numbers. Yeah, I notice a majority of our students in Education City are uh, women, and uh, you know, there's also one uh, university specializing on journalism, Northwestern University. And I notice that many of my female students are really uh, fanatic uh, on football. So yes, um, I, I think there is uh, some potential. Yeah. Well, I, I would say push hard. I, I would say you know, get in touch. Um, the the the. the, the Listen, I, I mean, there, there is a space and a place for, for, for everybody. Cream always rises, as we say, in England. So if anybody has that ambition, please pursue it. Push, push hard. There is no resistance on our part. Uh, there is no blockage on our part. It quite simply is that getting people here has been an issue and employing people as a result of what happened um, over a three, four-year period with the Saudi Arabians, which is a massive marketplace, for being stole our intellectual rights, uh, pirated, refused to accept that that was the case. They say now they've closed down BOutQ. I, I believe that's the case, but what they haven't done is allow us, the legal holder of the rights to the Champions League, the Premier League and, and various others to broadcast in that country. We're still barred. And so therefore the financial implications are such that that is another factor as to why we are as low as we are in numbers. We came out here with a very vibrant, buoyant, English-speaking uh, uh, staff. We've got half the number of people working with us now that we had then, half. And that's, that's, a, that's a huge blow. And it's simply because of the theft of those intellectual rights. And this is what people don't understand, that, that if you... There's a price for the exclusivity that comes with rights. If you're broadcasting and, and, and you are the only broadcaster of that specific product, then you will pay more to actually own the right to do so. If people are stealing, bleeding, streaming, and not paying anything as a result, then, then that's catastrophic ultimately for the ownership of sports rights. There's nowhere to go. They become worthless. So that's what Bean has been fighting for and, and all the way to the WTO has, has had support when it comes to protecting what it bought. But until, until, until people like the Italians and the Spanish who continue to turn up in Saudi Arabia with, with blue ribboned events understand that, that you can't on the one hand be asking be in for exclusive monies to your rights and then go doing that to undermine what it is you're selling. And, and I, th I think as we speak, the Italians have understood that what they thought their rights for this part of the world were worth, they're simply not anymore. So, so there is a price ultimately to be paid, and sadly by everybody, unless we do more to protect that intellectual property. Mm -hmm. uh, my very last question is, uh, let's talk about your charity work. I learned from your website that you are particularly interested in addressing the needs of children with uh, autism. Can you give us some insights about your work and tell us how you became interested in this important topic? It, it, it's a huge topic. It's something that I, I enjoy. We used to host a big dinner in, in, in London. I used, to, I used to host when I lived in the UK and continued to, to, uh, to do so here for two or three years. Um, it, it went under the radar for a long time. It was an evening that we could get a lot of like-minded people together and have fun. 1,200 people at the Grosvenor House Hotel in London. Um, 
and and it, it became the biggest football night on the calendar and and it would generate uh, tens of thousands um, listen my part was was almost insignificant I would turn up and host it and and hope to make the evening fun the people that that actually worked hard on it put in a year's work not a night's work but I'm very proud of the fact that we did generate as much money as we did and equally so of the legacy because that that dinner continues now um to 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 flourish um my mate jeff shreves who i used to work with at sky is now the chairman of that charity and it's it's become it's become its popularity is is it, it's broadcast i think uh, not live but for for recorded and turnaround purposes um but in a way that that its strength was that nobody knew it was happening those that bought a ticket bought an exclusive ticket to a very good evening out. So it's changed in that respect, but it doesn't alter the fact that we made, God, we made, we made significant amounts of money and, and uh, for a very good cause as well. And, and I am proud of that, but again, it's, I, I suppose the sort of things that, that you do, if you're interested in working to help others, I, I, I like to keep, I like, I like to think that that's something you choose to do without the necessity of others saying, well done. It's, it's just helping out a little bit, really, and putting it back. So, yeah, um, we did great. There are many other things, but I, I, I mean, I, I've been very fortunate. I've had a very privileged life, a um, few bumps in the road. But uh, for the most part, it's, it's been fantastic. Um, and to still be going at my age um, and still to be thought of as highly as I am, and that's, that's a sense of pride as well in this part of the world, um, and and I'm I'm very very lucky. I'm a lucky boy. I, I who knows where it leads. You know, I'm contracted to to finish here the season after the World Cup. I'm 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 aging. I'm old now. Um, but I like to continue to try to help. And anybody, just to re-emphasize what you said about students and 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 women with an interest in our business. Yes, push hard. Um, you know, there are no barriers anymore. Ironically, I think I was caught up in an incident where where we probably removed the barriers and everybody at that point decided, no, things have got to change, which is great. Um, so, so, so push hard and, 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 you know, do your best to find a way and it will, it will happen and it will happen here and it will happen here inevitably when things are on a, on a stronger finance. It seems strange to talk about a lack of finance in a country where you, you, you always think of unlimited resource, but ultimately, of course, that isn't the case. Ultimately, somebody has to say, Whoa, hold on. Um, we're spending a lot of money, and we need to we need to start to make some back, and and that's that's the place where being is right now. But that will change again. That will change. Perfect, Richard. Uh, this was fantastic. I tremendously enjoyed the conversation with you. Thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, an absolute pleasure, my friend. And should you need anything, or anybody else need anything more, please do not hesitate to contact me. <laughs>